Uh, John 14, verse 6, which is my text, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the life that is referred to in those verses uh, is eternal life. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and the life uh, is eternal life. And John three sixteen. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the last uh, verses that we read, these uh, words actually warn us of the danger we are in without Jesus. It describes it uh, clearly that without Jesus we uh, are perishing, but they hold a wonderful hope and God's design uh, to rescue the perishing by his love and bring us into our destiny, which is eternal life. So that's where I wanted to go. I want to go to our destiny, eternal life. And that's where I'd like to stay uh, this morning. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said this. He said, I came. That's the Christmas story bit, Rupert, just so that you know. That's the, the Christmas bit. I came that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. That's how he describes it. The life that is described as abundant is eternal life. To have it in all its fullness and to have it forever. That's how it comes to us. So eternal life is Jesus' aim for you and I. He wants to give it to us. And not only does he want to give it to us, he wants us to enjoy it. And actually, I'm on his side Because um, I'm thinking that I would like you to also have it. I would also like you uh, to enjoy it. Which is a little bit difficult because I'm just looking at Chris this morning and he's frowning at me. So I'm just going to look this way a bit until Chris smiles. and Then I'll know that he's enjoying uh, uh, eternal life. So uh, smile for me, Chris. No, that ain't working. Okay. So... What I'm going to do is walk you through some different stages of eternal life, some different aspects to it, and you need to ask some questions as you go in these stages, which is, is this exciting me? Is this where I am? Uh, And uh, is uh, is this my experience? And when you get to those different stages, perhaps you might like to pray as we go through, Lord, I'd like to know this bit a bit wider than I do. I'd like to experience this a bit deeper than I do. What I've done with the text, which you know that we're doing a series of, of, the, of the I am's of Jesus. Jesus, uh, David did, I am the resurrection of the life last week. And my text is, uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And what I've done is that I've cheated to, to preach this sermon. So what I've done is that I've missed out the way and the truth. So I'm just going to do, Jesus said, I am the life. I'm going to miss a bit out. And uh, you can forgive me for that 70 times 7 because that's what the Bible says. So stage one is this, that in Christ, eternal life is in Christ. It's in Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 4, in him was life and that life was the light of men. In him was eternal life. He was eternal he is an eternal person. That's who he is. Or in uh, John 14, verse 6, it says this again. Let's remind yourself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am eternal life. That is who I am. Eternal life is first and foremost the life of the Son of God. It's God's life. It's his life. He is eternal. Therefore, it is very, very supernatural. Just so that you might know. It's not just charismatics that do the supernatural bit. Anybody that's saved, that comes into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, actually enters into a very supernatural world. It is supernatural. It's not something that we have by nature. So uh, if we get it, we get it as a gift. It's a supernatural act. It's above what we can 
manufacture and the eternal life is Christ's. It is something that he gives to us. How did he give us this gift of eternal life? Well, what happened is that he took on humanity. He took on mortality. In fact, what we know in Scripture is that it says that he died on the cross. And it says that God raised him. What does that mean? It means that he took on mortality. What did he give us when he died on the cross? He gave us his immortality. What an outstanding gift that must be. Surely, surely that raises a little wow. From the, the, what happened is that you lot and me, we were born dead in our transgressions and sins. He was born eternal, if he was born. We can't explain that. But he was there. He was eternal. He said, I will die. And he said to you guys, you will live. That is just super. That's stage one. You get so excited when you look at this. You think, my goodness me. What I might. How? You know, when he said, my soul, my soul must sing. Don't you even go, yes. Immortality. Come my way through one man. It isn't just, well, he gave you a little box of Terry's all gold. No! Why is that? Not at all. He gave you his life. That's what he gave you. Outstanding, isn't it? There's eight stages to come. (laughs) Oh, stage one. My goodness me. Stage two. And you get Jonathan Edwards and Spurgeon in this sermon. My goodness me. It can only get better. Eternal life comes to us through the word or the words of Christ. Just want to say to all you dry Bible readers, pa. It's in the Bible, pa. It's Greek, okay? John 6, 88. Peter says to Jesus, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine that? Jesus is speaking, and what he's speaking out is eternity. He's speaking it out. Oh, so, and you think about this. The, the, the life of Christ is to be, if you like, for us, it's to be considered, meditated, thought about, uh, because these are eternal words. They're not just words. He himself was called the Word uh, of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. It dwelt amongst us. He was the Word. And when he was with us on earth, he spoke what the Bible describes as the words of life. They change people. That's what happens. And when he taught his disciples to to go, he said, I want you to teach the way that I do or the way that I did. What he said, what, what he was believing was the words that I have spoken to you. Now you have these words and you speak eternal life into a world that doesn't believe. You bring eternity into a world that feels that it's got nothing to hope for. So eternal life is extended from Jesus to others through his words. They bring eternal life. There's something supernatural to them because they're the words of eternal life. The the Bible is never, never cold. It is impossible. Let me just say this. You may be. It is never. Just put that in your mind. Because sometimes you say, I read this, it was difficult No, you were difficult. It cannot be difficult because it is the words of eternal life. It breathes out Jesus' life into it. Do you know somebody can pick this up? 
They can pick it up on the shelf in Tesco's because they sell everything these days. They can pick it up. They can read it on the way past the Branston Pickle as, as they go by and all that sort of stuff. And by the time they get to the bread, they can be saved because it's eternal life. The problem with this is never it. It is always us. It is always us, because this is the words of eternal life. When we get a prophetic word, it is Jesus speaking into us. When we worship songs like we've been worshipping, they are the words of eternal life. If they don't get to you, it's not their problem, it's our problem. We need to open our hands, because these things can change us and bring us into eternal perspective. What is the idea of the Bible? What is the idea of worship? The idea is that what comes through to us is suddenly we get caught in an eternal perspective. That's what happens. Excuse me, trousers are coming down, but don't look. It's ever so difficult. You get this wadge down here, don't you? It's sort of you feel it going down like your leg down here. Why are lightweight batteries? I'm just, next time, braces. That's the answer. But it's true, isn't it? When you think about it, you think, well, the worship wasn't good. That is absolute hoppy poppycock. <laughs> you weren't good. That's the truth. You need to come back and say, I was, you don't often hear this, do you? People come into, I was terrible in the worship today. No, it's, it's him. He was bad. <laughs> it's your fault. What were you doing? No, this is the words of eternal life. It can't be him. It's always us. Because as soon as these words engage, we move into an eternal perspective. Yeah, stage two. Hey. <laughs> Stage three, and you get Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards. See, by the time we get there, you'll be going to the toilet. See, stage three, God draws people into Christ and his eternal, and their eternal world. It's, oh, come on. In the, we, we hear the words of eternal life and God by his spirit, begins to draw people to Christ. And it's supernatural. It's almost as if eternity breaks into people's lives. John 6.44, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. How does he do this? He says, I have a million pound lottery ticket for you. Please become a Christian. It doesn't work like that, does it? Christ is where, Jesus is where eternal life is received. And if we come to him and if we're to have it and the words of life uh, that offer it, describe it and tell us how it happens, God has to draw us to it. It's a work of God. And And God brings this eternity to play in our lives. John 3.20 describes how by nature we hate the light. We don't want to come because sometimes we know that if we're exposed to the light, our, our lives are also exposed. It is bad. And also, uh, we just think, uh, uh, we resist it. How many resistant people do you know that actually came to God? All of us. We all did. We were all resistant because, because God brings eternity. You can't resist eternity. You can't do it. You can try. You can say, well, we have got, you know, Chelsea Football Club scored six goals. They are the greatest force on, in the Premier League. You can't stop the, the, the supernatural work of eternity invading people's life. It sort of comes after them and, and wraps them round and starts drawing them. It's sort of, I don't know if you've ever done this. When you, I don't know whether you, do you remember the things that used to come, think bike? Do you remember that? Well, it wasn't that people didn't think bike, was it? We all thought bike. It's that we all didn't think bike in the right way. And suddenly, Jesus comes and comes into our lives and there's a little bit of a resistance and that sort of stuff and God brings eternity into things. And you hear strange things that happen and they say things like, I think I'll come to church. Oh. And you think, what's going on here? 
you, 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 find, you talk to them and you find somebody that's been resistant time after time after time again. And they say to you, would you pray with me about that? And they go, and you, and you go, ooh. Because what you are thinking, so you're thinking, you're not expecting that. But we should expect it because when eternity breaks into people's lives, they become exposed to a little bit of eternity and begin to behave eternally themselves because God draws draws them in. People know about him, but suddenly they see him for who he is. The eternal life sort of presses into their lives. Eternity presses into. God draws them. It's almost as if God has got this sort of balloon of eternity. And here's David Sinkins, the worst of all sinners. Apostle Paul crossed out then. And it's almost as if God brings this balloon to him and suddenly he takes it. And he, there's nothing that actually Dave Simpkins can do as the worst of all sinners. Why is that? Because God has brought an eternal pressure to bear. He brings all of eternity and he plugs it in. You say, this person is really resistant to the Lord. What, what in comparison to what? Adolf Hitler, Pol Pot, or that God brings. And he says, no, I'm just going to bring the weight of eternity. And that's what he does. He brings, he draws people by opening up an eternal world to them. And it was how it was with us. Suddenly, I don't know whether you thought this, when you were saved, you began to think some strange things about God and and all sorts of things. It was because God was opening up an eternal world to you. What happened next? Stage four. You began to believe on Christ. We receive eternal life through believing in Jesus. This is immensely supernatural. It isn't that, well, we did an Alpha course. No. Well, we did a Christianity Explored course. And no. Not ever. Hoopy poopy stuff, that is. It's just madness. No, you didn't. You didn't. God worked on you. Wasn't a, it wasn't ever an alpha course that worked on you. Not at all. When we hear the words of life and we submit to the drawing power of God and the supernatural weight that he brings with it of eternity, we believe in Jesus and we receive eternal life because he's eternal life. John 15 5 uh, says this. We'll look at this a bit later in the I Am's. I am the vine and you are the branches. In other words, by believing in Christ, we get, we, get tr- we get grafted from this vine onto this vine and the sap of that vine starts to run through our branches. That life seems to come through. Eternal life seems to happen. And you see that happening, that you see unfolding. You see, we think, well, we just began believing. No, you never began believing. God began opening up a revelation. So you said, yeah, that's true. You just said, well, I, 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 I believed. No, you can't just believe. It is a supernatural work of God that causes you to believe. <laughs> And life, what happens is you get grafted on, the, the life starts pumping through, and revelation comes. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you've ever thought of this, where you say, how many times have you been with someone who's not a Christian and you said, oh, and the light came on? Loads. Absolutely loads. It just comes on. It's because believing in Christ isn't just sort of, well, you know, I just believed those values, now I believed these values. No, these values come within eternity with them. Something is going on here that is beyond what you and I can conceive, that's beyond just, well, I believe in these few things. You say that, well, you know, I, I now I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, he rose from the dead. No, you don't. <laughs> you do, but you see, eternity helps you to see these things. What happens as well when you're believing is that, is that, and God drawing, is that you get swept up into a supernatural world that sometimes we need to see again and celebrate. 
I just want to read you this. You, some of you will know this. It's very famous. It's how C.H. Spurgeon got saved. But I want you to look at it in a different way. I want, to look, I want you to ask, how many things do you see in this story that seem to happen supernaturally? And then I want you to see how eternity breaks into the world. Here we go. Put the glasses on because I changed the font and then I can't read the font. I changed the colour, which is no good. I sometimes think I might have been in darkness and despair until now had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm one Sunday morning. While I was going to a certain place of worship, I turned down a side street and came to a little primitive Methodist church. In the chapel, there might have been a dozen or 15 people. We can keep going, can't we? See how eternity is invading. I'd heard of these primitive Methodists, how they sang so loudly and they made people's heads ache. It's like sitting next to me on a Sunday morning, okay? But that did not matter to me because I wanted to know how I might be saved. The minister did not come this morning because he was snowed up, I suppose. See how they're adding up on this. At the very at last, a very thin-looking man, a shoemaker, a tailor, or something of that sort, went up into the pulpit to preach. Now, it is well that preachers be instructed. But this little man was really stupid. He obliged to stick to the text for the simple reason that he had little else to say. The text was, look unto me and be ye saved at uh, all the ends of the earth. Isaiah 45, 22. He did not even pronounce the words rightly. But that did not matter. There was, I thought, maybe a glimmer of hope for me in the text. The preacher began thus. This is a very simple text indeed. It says, look. Now looking, don't take a great deal of pain. It ain't lifting your foot or your finger. It's just look. Well, a man needn't go to college to learn to look. You may be the biggest fool and yet you can look. A man needn't be worth a thousand of year to look. Anyone can look. Even a child can look. If I preached this, I would be in so much trouble. But then the text says, look unto me. I, he said in a broad Essex accent, which I'm not going to say, many on ye are looking to yourselves. But it's no use looking there. You'll never find comfort in yourselves. Some say, look to God the Father. No, Look to him by and by. Jesus Christ says, look unto me. Some on ye say, we must wait for the Spirit's working. You have no business with that. Look to Jesus, look to Christ, the text says. Look to me. Then the good man followed his text up in this way. Look to me. I'm sweating great drops of blood. Look to me, I'm hanging on the cross. Look unto me, I'm dead and buried. Look unto me, I rise again. Look unto me, I ascend to heaven. Look unto me, I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father. O poor sinner, look unto me, look unto me. When he had managed to spin that out for about ten minutes or so, He was at the end of his tether and then looked at me under the gallery and I dare say with a few present he knew me to be a stranger. I guess he got 12 in your congregation. You're going to know. Just fixing his eyes on me as if he knew all my heart he said to me, young man, uh, you look very miserable. (laughs) Well, I did. But I had not been accustomed to such remarks made from the pulpit on my personal appearance before. <laughs> However, it was a good blow and it struck right home. He continued, are you always miserable? 
Well, you'll be miserable in life and miserable in death if you don't obey my text. Obey it now, this moment, and you will be saved. We need to learn from this, Rupert. (laughs) (laughs) Then, lifting up his hands, he shouted, as only a primitive Methodist will do, Young man, look to Jesus. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and then live. I saw at once, how did he do that? With that, I saw at once the way of salvation. (laughs) I know not what else he said, for I didn't take much notice of it. I was so possessed with that one thought. I had been waiting to do 50 things when I heard that word look. What a charming word it was, and it seemed to me, Oh, I looked and I looked and I looked until I have almost looked my eyes away. There and then the cloud was gone, the darkness rolled away, and that moment I saw the sun. I could have been risen in that incident, in that instant. And I sung with the most enthusiastic of them, of the precious blood of Jesus, the simple faith that looks alone, Oh, that somebody had told me this before. Trust in Jesus. Look to Jesus and you'll be saved. Yet it was, no doubt, all wisely ordered. Hear that? It was, no doubt, all wisely ordered. Because the supernatural world breaks into the natural world that we see, affects people, places and things and brings them into eternity perspective. Eternity is brought to bear on snow. Rubbish preachers, primitive Methodists, all those sorts of things. And eternity suddenly breaks open and there is C.H. Spurgeon saved. It's what happens. Eternity breaks into it. So stage five, we have eternal life now. Come on. I didn't believe this, you know. I thought I had eternal life then. In believing Jesus, we have, we have got it now. It's not just in the future. John 5.24, Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to, to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not will have but has now. I'm looking at a bunch of eternal people. You are looking at an eternal man. It just sounds rather strange. Text goes on. It does not come into judgment. Do you hear that? And does not come into judgment. Why? Because Jesus has been judged on your behalf out of death into life. So please don't hear the thing where people say to you, you will be judged on earth. It's not what the Bible says. No, you've come into his world. And judgment doesn't exist in that, in the, in that eternal realm. In other words, eternal life is not something you wait for after death. It's something that you have now. It's, it is fantastic to know that. It is just, just grasp the depth of that. I have eternal life. <laughs> Tell me why you chat. Don't you see that in the show? Uh, 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 I have eternal life. I mean, it's sometimes. What, what do we do? You know, sometimes we, we get this. Well, you know, you know, a, a bit low, miserable. You know, things haven't been going well for you. Hold on. Let's just put this over here. Eternal life. Pain with mother-in-law. Eternal life. Sometimes our perspective is bum. It is really bum. Because what we do is pain with mother-in-law. Eternal. Eternal life. And this is the problem. We need to grasp we have it now. We have it now. So when some things come to bite, you go, ha ha, eternity. It's right. Even the mother-in-law, even the mother-in-law cannot live forever. Ha ha! Come on! 
about eternity? What about them? What about the bloke at work? He said, she said, they did whatever. It won't last but me. Indestructible. It is about time we got some perspective on things. Sometimes we think, well, what we need, we need to counsel. No, we need a perspective of eternal life to be put into all these things. Well, I just need to rub their back a little bit. What good will that do? Well, rub. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. It's going. Rob harder. Yeah, well, come on. No. Eternity breaks into It's what we need. Eternity to break in. So when we see, hey, that went wrong. Hey, not for long. Why? Because I've got eternal life. It's right, isn't it? Yeah. it is, you think, well, that's why the Apostle Paul says, what harm can come to me? So he says, well, well what can happen? I'll die. Gain. So he sort of says, come on, bring it on. What does this say? Well, I'll just get there a bit sooner then. And it was like, well, come on. And sometimes we just like, you know, we go to Tesco's. No, no. Here we are in Sainsbury's and you think, no, they haven't got the mayonnaise that I wanted. That's going to affect me for the rest of the day. (laughs) Why is eternal life not affecting the mayonnaise? It's true, isn't it? I can't cope with it today. You know, they haven't got the slim line calorie what's every version so that I could put the whole jar on the lettuce just to make the lettuce sound good so I feel bad today and you think no come on eternal life I have right now we should be the ones that are going wow come on Sainsbury's eternity it is true isn't it let me tell you this Rupert publicly here we go I am a wolf supporter If they go down and you go up as Cardiff City, I don't care a fig. Because even though I'm born in Wolverhampton, my father took me to Wolverhampton, that I know they might go up and down and I have eternal life. And sometimes we think, did you see those mad Blackpool supporters yesterday? They think they've arrived. No, you have arrived. We've arrived. We should be as mad as the matter because we have it at go on. <laughs> Stage six. It's personal. It is very personal. Oh dear. I've gone all foggy and need my glasses. Okay, eternal life is very personal. Eternal life happened in, in before the world was created. Yes. It was between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Therefore, it is about a relationship. The fundamental thing is about a relationship. It is nothing less. So when John, in John, Jesus in John 17, verse 3, defined eternal life, he defined it like this. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I, want, I don't want you to just say, hey, I've got this thing that suddenly I will glow. No. No, eternity is an access into a personal relationship with Jesus forever. Eternal life is very personal. It is about an intimate knowing of God that didn't come your way. It's not an inoculation against the disease of death. She's, I think, worth it. Hey, I became a Christian. Psst, eternal life. No, that is not the way. It's not a spiritual antibiotic. It's a conscious experiencing of knowing and relating and enjoying God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. I've got this, I've got this personal relationship now. I've got, you know, so, well, you know, uh, two or three gather. Oh, blow me, I'm on my own. No, I've got this personal relationship with Jesus now and forever. He walks with me. What does the Bible say? When I sit, there you are. When I rise, when I go down to the depths, there you are. It's very, very personal. I am in Christ. He's in me. It's the way that it is. It's sometimes, it's almost as if we've made eternity into something that is, is sort of, well, it's all about many mansions and ruby roads and all that sort of stuff, which is all great imagery. But actually, it means that I now fellowship 
with these people forever. I think, wow, it is like I can know them and will know them forever. That's why you see in John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life and the light of life was men. The life is the light. What does that mean? It means that I, be, I believe that when eternal the life of Christ comes into our life through faith, it sheds light on Jesus. It brings an eternal perspective of what we see. It brings an eternal perspective of what we, we see about the Father and about you think about this, the way that it happened. Once you didn't see them with an eternal perspective, then what happened is that you saw them through the fog of faith. You saw enough to be saved. That's what happened. And then the lights sort of switch on and this journey is a journey of developing our personal knowledge and relationship with the Trinity so that we can go and spend eternity with them. That's what it is. That's how it happens. I'm, I'm, develop, I'm getting to know, I'm talking to him, he's talking to me, with me, and that sort of stuff. This is eternal life, that they may know you. It's personal knowledge. We can commune with him now. Please resist duties and rituals with a harsh axe because it is always personal. Worship should be personal. Church should be relationship. We reflect the Trinity. That's what we are. We're, we're group. You know, that's a methodology. What is that? No, no method. Come on. This is about a real... We need to teach people to know the person of Jesus because this is what it's about, you know. When you see that thing in, in, in the Garden of Eden, it is a picture, you know, where, where, where God walks with, with, uh, with Adam in the cool of the night. This is it. This is the eternal perspective. I want to walk with you and talk with you. A long life's narrow way. So, and the older ones that knew that one, you're sad. So seven, <laughs> it's not interrupted by death. Yeah. Eternal life isn't. Hear this. Dave Simkin said this. But also, the Bible did. Now, I know that you think that Dave Simkins has more authority sometimes, but he doesn't. Listen to what Dave Simkins read. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. It's there, folks. So, oh, well, this is a bit strange theology. No, Dave Simkins read it. 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never. It's simple, isn't it? I, I think what he means is this. Everyone who has eternal life by faith will never have that life stripped away from them, even if they die. He will live. Physical death will not turn eternal life into temporary life. Do you know... Christian funerals are so sad because we lose friends. And losing friends and family is just, it's just downright tough and hard, isn't it? You know, I, I have to say this, looking at, you know, I, I, I don't know whether you think this, but my kids will go mad. Fortunately, they're both not here, so I'm all right. I, I, I don't know whether you think this, I, and I don't know whether Callie thinks this, I sometimes sit there and think, I wonder what would be best, me or Callie first? And you probably think, that is really strange to think of. So I, I work this out, and, and occasionally I, I've thought, I've, I've even had a word with the Lord about it and said, what, what do you think is best? He never answers me, but I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of think, and I think, what would be the best for the kids? And I often think, no, the kids would be better off with the mum than me. <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, I don't know whether you ever go, perhaps you don't, perhaps you never go down this conversation. See, if you're young, they're all going, oh. But, you know, as you get older, you're, and I just think these sort of things. And, I, and, and, I just, and the only conclusion that whatever happens in our family 
and I know that what you might think of me, that it will be incredibly sad for our kids, whatever way it is, and the remaining person. And I have to say, from the pulpit here, if I can, I look at it and I thought, I, I don't know how I'm going to live without her. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. We've been 27 years marriage and all that sort of stuff. I, I, I pardon? Yeah. And some of you are longer. Just to remind me how inadequate I am. <laughs> but in the end, one of us will go. And the other one will now have to live the latter part of that, their life at their weakest point without the one that has been with them for the longest time. And yet, I also think that although that's true, that it is one of the Christian funerals are one of the most powerful moments that you can ever be involved in as a pastor. Because they are incredibly full of hope. Because you can sit in front of a people and you can say where they are. And you can say, you, you, you don't sit there and say, well, you know, they've been a good person. They've worked for the council and drawn their pension. Or something like that. They were, a, you know, they were in the fire brigade. Or, and you give you know, that sort of stuff. You can, you can actually say with tremendous authority, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Right. Thank you, Denzel. <laughs> but it is, it is tremendous. You can say this, so-and-so is not dead. So-and-so is not dead. Because Jesus said, it is wonderful. We are not interrupted by death. Remember the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. What a wonderful thing. Well, I, I just think, and I, and I don't know how I'm going to cope, I, either way, with death or whether I'm left alone. But one thing that I know about Callie and I is that our lives will not be interrupted by death. That's the way. And I hope that I'll be able to encourage our kids in that way. Eight, two to go. I'll make them quick. Stage eight, made complete the resurrection. Eternal life will be made complete when our bodies are raised from the dead and we are united with our spirits. John 6.40, Jesus said this, This is the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. And I myself, what a fantastic, I myself will raise him up on the last day. I'll do that job. Let me do that. Whoa, come on. Thank you, Jesus. He's not just the eternal giver of life. He's the giver of resurrection. He's the raiser of our bodies. We have lost many of our friends. They're alive with eternal life in heaven. That's uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8 and Philippians 1.23. But our fullest experience in the history of time will be when Jesus returns and there's a shout in the heavens and the dead who are the dead will rise and be together with Christ. There's a, there's a magnificent resurrection to come in eternal life. He's just mad. I will be raised i will be raised stage line just cutting some of these shorts because i've gone on a bit and i still want to get to jonathan edwards so we'll do this those two short eternal life will last forever and ever 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 how long is forever don't your kids ask you that one how long's forever dead does it doesn't it not make you tremble that so much rides on your spiritual awakening in this life. How long is eternity? I don't know. That's the idea. The idea is, is Chris in all his simplicity tried to describe God. We cannot describe eternity. Because all we can think is, you know, what have I got to do tomorrow? So we cannot get our heads beyond it. This is the best illustration that I can find, and please let me apologise for it. 
because some of you might have heard it before. Um, those that have been married for 30 odd years plus probably will have, but I do apologise uh, to those. So, Peter, if you've heard this before, let me apologise. Um, how long is it? I once heard described like this. If a little bird should fly from the coast of the sea to a great plain and deposit one grain of sand every thousand years, it's a long living bird, Rupert, when the mound of sand is the height of Mount Everest, eternity will just have begun. Come on. Come on. Isn't that wonderful? I'll do that once more. If a little bird, if a little bird should fly from the coast of the sea to a great plain and deposit one grain of sand once in every thousand years, when the mound of sand is the height of Mount Everest, eternity will just have begun. <laughs> That's better than long life milk, isn't it? Come on. Eh? <laughs> Puts the mother-in-law into context, doesn't it? Eh? Come on. Next time. Grain of sand. Ha. Oh, sorry. Yes. Why does... Eternity exists, not stage one. It exists because it will take us that long to experience and know the inexhaustible glories of God. Why does it exist? Because you think you know. I have a relative. Only one, but I have one. And, and sometimes this relative will, will tell me of the, what he knows about God and sometimes in this world you will have people and they will say something like I am not going to this because I know Silas what is the point of this conference because I have done these things before Rupert and it's almost as if when we become this age we, we know everything there is to know about God piffle <laughs> absolute because if we are eternity and God says you need eternity to know me then you cannot know what God wants to say to you even on this world and you can't contain it so go to the conference God might surprise you with just a little part of his character that you might not know yet go go that's the thing. When you get there, you walk in and you go, oh, whoa! You, the ruby, whoa! Another mansion, whoa! It'll be a life of, whoa! Get used to it. That's how it is. Wards should see in this door. That's how it is. It is. You think you know about God? Ha <laughs> ha! Wait till you see what's coming! You're going to take eternity to know. It's going to be wonderful. So, 250 years ago, Jonathan Edwards thought he would preach a sermon on knowing God in eternity. (laughs) So, this is what he wrote. Because what he's doing is that he gathers his leaders together and he ponders this in a deacon's meeting. Brothers, do we think that in eternity... We will grow dull and be boring. So what a deacons meeting. Can you imagine that? Just gather the leaders meeting. We're, this is the deacons discussing eternity. Wrong way round, guys. Just get this right. We are discussing what we... Will we be, be, be bored? Oh, let's forget all this then. So eventually, he puts a sermon together, and this is a quote from his sermon. He says, the conclusion... I love the conclusion because it shows the humility. Please be humble in regard to your knowledge of God. The fountain that supplies the joy and the delight which the soul has in seeing God is infinite. The understanding may extend itself as far as it will. It doth but take its flight into an endless expanse and dive into a bottomless ocean 
it may discover more and more of the beauty and the loveliness of God, but it will, but it never will exhaust the fountain. He stops. And he considers Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19. Reads this out from the pulpit. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He stops. We can never by soaring and ascending come to the height of the love of God. We can never by descending come to the depth of it or by measuring know the length and the breadth of it. Let the thoughts and the the desires extend themselves as they will. Here is space enough for them in which they may expand forever. How blessed therefore are they that do see God who come to this exhaustless fountain after they have had the pleasure of beholding the face of God for millions on millions of ages, it will not grow a dull story. The relish of his delight will be as exquisite as the day we entered. So where are you in the stages of eternal life? Christian, where are you? Does it govern? Does eternity govern your life, your fears, your attitudes, your character, the things you do? Is eternal life the thing that makes you and helps you make the decisions that you do? Let me encourage you to live eternally now. What if you're not a Christian? Maybe even this morning you've thought, yeah, I see this. I see this wonderful gift of eternal life that Jesus bought for me. And I no longer want to resist you. I will trust you for everything. Well, Jesus said this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way that you come to receive this eternal life. In John 3.16 it says, And whoever believes on Christ will not perish but have eternal life. You can receive your eternal life right now. 